So welcome into the week five Backroads podcast. I am Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network and Texas1AFan.com as well as PressPassSports.com. And I'm Bobby Brown with Texas 1A Fan. So Bobby, welcome in. Week five is in the books and we talked about a lot of big games. Hey, we're going to find out something about a few teams and at times, I think I came away more confused than ever after this week. Uh, agreed. I There were some surprises and some shocks, and Friday night, I was very confused. I'm right there with you. Well, and it, you know it's an odd week when Lehman Saunders is tweeting every 10 minutes because some kind of record or near record or high points and low points. You know it's been that kind of a week in six-man football. Definitely. And, you know... <laughs> Uh, Lehman doesn't uh, tweet a lot, but when he does, it's it's really good stuff. That six man historian in him. Well, we, we we definitely need that. And but you know, there's one thing that you can always guarantee, and it's been the case now for 13 seasons, or maybe going on 14th. We'll have to ask for sure. But that is the Jonesboro Eagles are playing good football once again. That's what they're doing, and uh, we have the privilege of having Coach uh, Eddie Gallegos on the phone with us. Coach, welcome in. Hey, thank you guys. Thank you guys for having me on. I've enjoyed the last, I've, I've, I've been able to listen to the last few weeks of the podcast. I turn it on and uh, uh, during the school day and catch up on it. Um, and I've, I've enjoyed it. And thank you for having me. You bad coach. So your team victorious over St. Joe, 64 to 50. I think a lot of people thought that would be a bigger uh, margin of victory, but I'm going to guess if I ask you, you weren't expecting that and you're, you're thrilled with your team and their performance in this ballgame. Yeah, we are. Um, we, we were slightly familiar with them. We scrimmaged them. You know, Coach Stevens has, has some really good kids up there. They've got good numbers. Uh, they've got some size and and, uh, and uh, their tailback, um, you know, kind of the area they are probably not 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 known throughout the state, but that he's a dude and uh, he can go and he uh, he, he ran on us uh, a few times the other night. So we, we had some trouble, especially early. And so it was kind of back and forth. And, and you know, we had some chances to kind of take control of the game, but credit to them. Uh, they, they just scratched and clawed and, you know, one of those games that, that finally took control just a few minutes left of the game. So, um, but yes, extremely proud of our kids uh, faced a little adversity, you know, short week. Uh, we didn't find out we were going to play them until Thursday morning and uh, traveled, you know, I guess bus after a pit stop, it, it took us about four hours to get there. And so wow. it's a road trip. And so, you know, our kids did a good job uh, and responded and, and, Played hard. So if I have this right, this is your 13th season. Is that correct? Yes. 13th season is the head coach here. So, so yes, get this, sir. Bobby. He's only 126 and 28. Oh. He decided to let the other teams win a game or two. 126 <laughs> and 28 is an incredible record coach. And, you know, I kind of went back and, and did some research on this, and I found it interesting because I guess Jonesboro really wasn't a, a football powerhouse when you came in. Your first year you were 2-8. and eight. And then everything flipped the switch in 2010, and you've never looked back. Talk talk about your time there at Jonesboro. You know, it's, it's a it's a great place. It's been a great place for myself and for my family. You know, I, I got the job as the assistant coach my first year, and and, and uh, they came to me and they're like, "Hey, you're the next guy." And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa!" Uh, you know, I, I need to, you know, I still need to learn a lot. And uh, and uh, anyway, it just ended up and it's turned out well for me. You know, it's just. You know, talking about the record, I think it's, it's you know, the kids that we've had, and that's a kind of a tribute to the community and the school uh, and just the kids that have come, uh, you know, through all throughout these years that I've had the privilege of coaching. 
uh, you know, it's just it's just been an enjoyable and, and, and great spot for us. You traveled four hours to St. Joe, and this week, this next week coming up, you're going to meet Valley at Trent on a Thursday. Yeah, you know, we, we like to get on the bus and, and spend quality time together. <laughs> it seemed like that the last uh, the last few years. You know, last year I went to a short notice and met Borden County, and and, and uh, this year we planned with Coach Stanley and, and talked about it in the summer, and we both needed a game, and that was this week. And uh, and Coach Stanley kind of did the lead work and found a found us a site and time, and, and uh, so you know he 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 kind of put this together. Uh, and, and you know, it's a good it'll be a good experience for us. You know, you kind of get that uh, that playoff atmosphere against a uh, talented West Texas team. So, talk about six man football in general because we see this a lot. Where maybe you won't have a team on the schedule, then all of a sudden that week you've got one. That's just not something you see in eleven man football hardly ever. But it really does seem like teams in six man sometimes they may have a mismatch on the schedule, and everybody will kind of switch up and and make things work. Talk about what a small community six man football is trying to put the best product out there for every team involved. Yeah, I think that's one of the that's one of the great things, and and uh, at this level, um, you know, a lot of the coaches we we know each other. Uh, it's a little bit smaller circle, uh, and so you know you, you do want to help all these all these guys because, like I said earlier, we've all been there. Uh, I might be there again, you know, to where you know I'm I'm the guy with the low numbers and, and a young team that that probably doesn't need to play a, a top twenty, top fifteen opponent, um, and and that's one of the great things about this you know this small inner circle that. Uh, that is a six-man world, um, and you know now with with COVID and, and some of those things that, that the last couple of seasons that you're, you're right has become more prevalent. I um, mean, I think we've dealt with it pretty well, and, and you know just for benefit for the kids too. District is coming up there in Region One, District Fifteen. For those of you who don't know, District Fifteen has Evant, Jonesboro, Lomita, and Zephyr. Uh, Lameda has been doing a pretty good job here the last few weeks. How do you think you're going to match up with them in district? We've got to get better because they, they do a lot of good things. Um, and they, uh, Coach Torres has them play hard. And I think we've played them the last three or four years at least once. They do a really good job. The kids play hard. They're skilled. We do not want to see them on the basketball court because they're tough. <laughs> and, so, and some of those skills that they have on the basketball translate to, to the, you know, some of the things they do offensively especially. Um, and so, uh, luckily they come here. Uh, so that's, that's one thing that, that, you know, even before we, uh, look at matchups is one thing we host them this year. And so, uh, but no, we, we, you know, we've got a few things to hash out and get better at before, uh, before that game, uh, which we'll need to, to, to be able to compete. So you haven't lost a district game since 2018. You know, we talk about your record. How important do you think – do you think that gives your team an edge at times when you walk on the field because everybody goes, oh, no, we're playing Jonesboro. Maybe you're not quite as good a team as people think you are, but it just gives you that advantage on the field that you maybe wouldn't get if you were just another team. Um, sometimes, you know, people talk about that. I don't, I don't really know how much that plays into it. Um, but we do – you know, it is brought up, and it's brought up for our kids, uh, you know, that, that they have, you know, that, that so to say, that, that torch to carry. Uh, and so, you know, they have a responsibility to, uh, you know, prepare and work uh, throughout the week and get ready for every Friday night uh, anytime they put the jersey on. So, you know, it's not, not so much that, you know, from their side as, as much as we, we kind of put that on our kids. 
And then talking about your team, Ian Schof, a kid who's a four-year starter for you. Talk about uh, how advantageous it is to have someone who's been with you all four years and what a good player he is. Yeah, he is. Um, he, he's, he's uh, you know, uh, we weren't very good his freshman year, and he, he played on both sides of the ball. And, you know, there were some games he was the one taking the beatings. He's been a really good player for us, uh, consistent. And, uh, and, and one of the things I like most about Ian, you know, he's one of our most more talented kids. Uh, but, you know, I ask him to block a lot. I ask him to do a lot of the dirty work, and, and he's fine with it. Um, and he's fine with some of the younger kids running behind him. And, 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 you know, he's not the guy so much getting in the end zone or getting some of the yardage. Um, and that's the type of kid he is. You know, I'm, I'm really proud of, of the example he set in that aspect. He sounds really unselfish. And I hope to be at that game Thursday against Valley. So hopefully I'll get to, to see that. Yeah, awesome. Sure. Uh, appreciate all the, all the coverage you guys do for, for the 1A kids, uh, not just football season, but throughout the year. Uh, it's a lot of work and it's much appreciated. Well, we absolutely love it. Thank you. Well, Coach Gagos, we really do appreciate you joining us here on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, good luck to your Eagles this week taking on the Valley Patriots. Should be a good ball game there in Trent, 5 o'clock Thursday. Uh, but good luck the rest of the season. I am sure this is not the last we've heard of the Eagles uh, there in Jonesboro. Thanks, guys. Thank you. So, Bobby, always good to have coaches on. This time, Coach Gagos over at Jonesboro. Great to hear his, uh, uh, you know, talk about his team and and – you know, it, it amazed me when I looked it up to find his record. That that has got to be one of the best six man coaching records that maybe people who aren't in the coaching inner circle they don't know. They don't realize one twenty six and twenty eight is impressive. It is extremely impressive, and you know uh, what I find kind of funny is that here we have been kind of mentioning him uh, and his team for four weeks now, right. and. You kept saying, hey, he just wants us to leave him alone. You know, <laughs> don't talk about Jonesboro. And then what do we do? <laughs> hey, Coach Gallegos, would you like to be on the podcast? <laughs> uh, well, we got we got him out there, you know. Re Region 4 sometimes doesn't get enough love. And there's so many talented teams down there. And like I say, I just I was impressed with the record. That That is impressive to pull that off in a town that wasn't necessarily known as a six-man powerhouse when he took over. Extremely impressive. Funny that you brought that up because I did not know that. So I am very impressed at this moment in time. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's get started. So we talked about Jonesboro, ranked seventh in Division One out of Region 4, and they did defeat uh, St. Joe's, as we talked about, 64 to 50. Let's go back to the top and uh, – no surprise here. The May Tigers, they're just flat out on a roll. Coach Steele's team there takes out Blum 77 to 14. But I believe Blum, uh, A, May is really, really good. On top of that, it sounds like Blum is just flat out beat up right now. Uh, yeah, Coach Steele said that they have a lot of injuries right now. And um, it seems like several teams across the state are dealing with that same issue. And it's not just one or two. I mean, it's like half of the team, uh, which is I just absolutely hate that for the players and the teams. I hate to see when anyone is hurt. You know, we can't take anything away from May. Like you said, those those Tigers, they're, they're doing a great job, and they're just taking care of business every single week. They definitely are, and you're right. It does seem like injuries this year is a little bigger portion of what's going on in six-man football than we've seen in years past. Look at the number two-ranked team. 
and we talk about teams that come out of nowhere. Well, that is the Water Valley Wildcats. There are no secrets no more up to number two in the sixmanfootball.com rankings, and they take out Borden County 62-22. to What impressed me, though, is here's Borden County after getting defeated last week 52 to nothing to Sterling City. Uh, they stay in a four-quarter ball game with Water Valley. I, I, I was impressed, and we talk about it up and down, up and down. Hard to say. You get beat 62 to 22. It was an up week, but I do think it was. I, I agree with you. I think it was. Um, hopefully those inexperienced players of the for the Coyotes are, are coming on strong. Um, you know, Bubba Edwards had said earlier in the season that they had some highs and some lows. Seems like they had a lot more highs than lows, which is a good turn of events for the Coyotes against Water Valley. You know, Water Valley, I've, I've just, they're on the tips of everyone's tongue right now. That they are, and uh, they're no secret to anybody anymore. So speaking of secrets and surprises, and we talked about this week and how crazy it was. Well, let's get to uh, the first one that just, uh, I think, surprised all of us. Rankin ranked number three. We had Coach Avilos on last week. Falls to Bracken Christian, the Warriors, a private school out of TAPS Division Three, forty-nine 49-45. to 45. They did. Uh, I was absolutely shocked. For some reason, I wasn't getting those scores until I got the final, and I I really did think that was wrong. Uh, but I did find out they had, a, they had a few Red Devils who were injured in that game, and I think that they just weren't ready for other players to step up and help the Red Devils against Bracken Christian. Not taking anything away from Bracken. They they did a really good job because, um, you know, that that – game was in Rankin and it's hard to go to Rankin and win a game like that no you, you're correct there that is that is difficult and uh you know it just it seems like more private schools this year than than I've seen in years past really stepping up and and playing toe-to-toe with with the UIL six-man teams that's just not something we've seen in the past I don't know if we're seeing a shift in talent or what we're seeing but uh more private schools uh, really uh, making a name for themselves out there uh, against the UIL schools. They definitely are. So next up on the docket, Bobby, is a matchup of top 10 teams. If we went on Thursday night, it's a game that you were at. It's one I had to call on. The Sterling City Eagles and the Happy Cowboys. And honestly, this just turned out to not be much of a game. Uh, oh, I, you, you got to <laughs> give it to the Happy Cowboys. The first half was not terrible i mean they hung in there and they tried their hardest they did they, they definitely did play well but you know i i think more than anything i came away from that game with a a i don't want to say newfound but a very big respect for sterling city that is a team that doesn't do anything splashy they don't have this all-star six-man stud out there um, they got a lot of really good players, and they play extremely well as a team. They defeat Happy 58-8. to Cash Johnson, man, I, I don't know how you tackle him because you can't find him. No, you can't find him, and then you can't catch him because he's so <laughs> fast, and he can, he can do a sidestep off a dime. I mean, that, that kid is, is just everywhere. I know I have described other players as a water bug, but – that but Cass Johnson, I'm telling you, you just can't find him. It's, no. It was crazy. I couldn't even hardly find him with my camera yeah, that it, night. It was it was wild. It, you know, Sterling City was up in that ball game, and Happy had had him on a fourth and about twenty three. 
They get Johnson trapped on the sidelines, and I really thought they were going to get him out, had some momentum going. Next thing you know, out of nowhere, he just kind of comes out of this mass of people, finds himself running all the way from about the midfield stripe down to about the uh, 10 or 15-yard line, gets the first down. Two plays later, Johnny Monreal then goes with a highlight reel run. Uh, He takes it up the left side there. Reaches the goal line and literally leaps T.S. Bow, an all-state defender for Happy, just leaps him for the touchdown, and that's kind of the night it was. But Sterling City was impressive in that ball game. It Cash Johnson, I know, I think it was nine carries, 80 yards, had a, a touchdown. Johnny Monreal played well. Uh, he threw a touchdown. He had a rushing touchdown. Uh, Happy just not able to get a whole lot going on. Uh, Cowboys pride themselves on rushing, only 60 rushing yards in that ball game, and uh, wow. that, that's tough. Cowboys did have 154 yards through the air, but uh, that was about the lone bright spot when it came to the offensive side of the ball for the Cowboys. Yeah, those Sterling City Eagles, they are definitely consistent. That they are. Moving on and take a look at uh, the fifth-ranked team, and that is the Spring Lake Earth Wolverines, a game that I broadcast for you Friday night. Uh, They're in White Deer and not much of a game. Uh, Boy, the Wolverines just looking really strong. Braxton Etheridge in this one, uh, 98 yards passing and a touchdown. uh, Four uh, carries for 23 yards and a touchdown. Derek Rosales, three catches, 112 yards and two touchdowns. Wolverines win this one 47 to nothing. They held White Deer to 31 total yards. Their spread back, Carson Ketchum, who's likely an all-region type performer at that spread back position, I had him for 15 carries and four yards. That is super good defense there from the Wolverines. It is. It sounds like they have ramped up their defense a lot from the first few weeks of play. Looking at the uh, next big game, and what was this a big game? What a thriller we had. Uh, the number six team out of Division One, Region Two, the Westbrook Wildcats taking on Coach Lee and the Strong Greyhounds out of Division Two, And it was the Greyhounds winning this one 68-52. to and what had to be an incredible game to watch. Oh, it was back and forth the whole game. And I was covering a game that night, so I couldn't really go. But I was watching the score on that one. And it was just, it's just one of those games that you wish you could have gone to. You know, you think, oh, man, that was good. But it seemed like a real battle from start to finish. Uh, no, I, I agree with you. That's one of those games that, you know, a lot of times people talk about, well, I've never seen a six-man football game. Well, don't get me wrong. There are some six-man games you can go to and go, "Eh, that wasn't the best one to really get a good feel for six-man football. That game right there would have been a great feel for exactly what six-man football is all about. Uh, Greyhounds victorious in that one, 68-52. to But, man, talk about a killer schedule. Westbrook, that's another team, and that's what I love about six-man is, you know, the big guys in six-man football are not afraid to play each other, and so it sets up some incredible matchups. And Westbrook has went toe-to-toe with everybody this season. And that Westbrook-Sterling City matchup we talked about last week just gets one week closer every week. That should be a fabulous ball game there in that district. It definitely will be, and I can't wait for that one. So uh, take a look at the eighth-ranked Garden City Bearcats. Coach Jones and his team take out the Van Horn Eagles 83-38. to Stop me if you've heard this before. Sebastian Balcazar, 11 carries, 168 yards and four scores. Logan Seidenberger, 157 yards through the air and three touchdowns. And John Lopez, three carries, 53 yards, two touchdowns, four receptions, 126 yards and three touchdowns. And he decided to tack on 10 tackles on top of that. So really impressive there. And, you know, this game is a perfect example, Bobby, of A, while we do the podcast, 
and B, why we want to get more information coming in from the coaches, from the community, because, you know, Van Horn scored 38 points and I even looked up the roster and I couldn't find a roster. So number 15 for Van Horn, 15 of 28 through the air, 328 yards and six touchdowns. And number one, seven receptions, 158 yards and three scores. That's the kind of thing that we need names to those numbers and to get those kids out there so people can hear it. That's impressive numbers against a good Bearcat team. Okay, well, I know who number 15 for Van Horn is. Jermaine Corrales. Thank you. And he's a senior at Van Horn. And I'm hoping that they had more than just six players. You know, they've had a few um, injuries and illnesses and they were down to six players. But he's definitely a player. Oh, goodness. He, he, is, he is really impressive and um, has a great attitude, is a very good sportsman. So I'm glad to see that he is doing well for those Van Horn Eagles. Yeah, they definitely, uh, he had a great game there. And, uh, but, you know, we talked about it. The Bearcats ranked number eight in the state, 83 to 38 victorious in that one. Another upset in the top 10, number nine, the Roby Lions. They fall to the Benjamin Mustangs, 62 to 50. Yeah, that one was a surprise. Uh, here we go again with talking about Lehman, but Lehman said, on uh, Twitter, and I talked to him a little bit about it. He really thought that, uh, you know, Rule was supposed to play Roby last week, and he thought Rule would beat them. So he said he wasn't surprised that Benjamin beat them because, you know, Benjamin Benjamin's doing really well this year. I'm, I might have to call that Coach Waters up and see what I can find out. What is he doing over there with those Benjamin Mustangs? Uh, the Mustangs playing well this year, and they get the upset victory over the Lions. Let's move on down to Division Two, and we'll start at the top. The Motley County Matadors, no problem with the Crest Kangaroos, 60-8. to eight, So they win that one via the 45-point Mercy Row. You and I have seen Crest, so that's another strong victory there, I think, for Motley County. That's, that is not a bad Crest team. Are they an upper-tier team? I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, but that's a good Crest team, and Motley County uh, exerts their dominance on them. Yes, and uh, Coach Bigham had actually said that, you know, Chris, they weren't um, just pushovers this week. They actually had to, you know, work to play them. That's high praise coming from Coach Bigham. Yeah, no kidding there. Uh, take a look at the fourth-ranked Jayton Jaybirds. Coach Stanilin, they uh, defeat Petersburg 74-34. to My question to you is, do you think that was a tougher game for Coach Stanlin than they anticipated, or the Petersburg maybe got something starting to go here? I, I think a little bit of both, actually. I think Petersburg's finally found their footing, you know, after Caden Perez was, you know, he can't play this year because of his injury. You're going to make me sad again. To say that. I, well, I know, but, but I think that those Buffaloes have finally maybe jailed as a team because, you know, when you lose one of your best players – it's hard to, to figure out who's going to play where and what your role is for the team. And so I think maybe it was a little bit of both. Uh, that score surprised me a little bit, but it's nice to see Coach Hefner's Buffaloes um, scoring 34 points against a number four team. So we'll look at number five, and this was a great matchup. Follett and Paducah doing battle uh, Division One and Division Two teams. Follett, no surprise, they win this one. We thought it would be a close one, and it was. They went at 38 to 29. Follett, though, was up 22 to nothing in the first quarter. And I don't know. I just, with Andy Copley as a coach, I always want to take it back to basketball. 
I feel like maybe his team got up 17 to four and they just played to finish out the string and win the game. And that's exactly what they did. I, I think so, but I'm pretty sure that there was a fire lit under the dragons there. We, we need to watch those Paducah dragons. Every, every week they're edging into the circle a little further. Well, you're right there in, in a little sneak peek. Sixmanfootball.com rankings came out earlier today. Paducah might be a number eight, nine, ten, right in there. So just be be on the lookout for that. That you know that that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, I think Coach York kind of wants to keep them a secret, but I really think that people are going to have to start paying attention to those dragons, and they're going to have to start paying attention really quickly. That they are. Although I'm sure Coach York was a little disappointed to lose to his former team, the Fallhead Panthers, in that one. Uh, Sixth-ranked team in the state, Klondike Cougars. Uh, Coach DeGraffen-Reed and his team take out Buena Vista 83-38. to Buena Vista's fairly good. I mean, they're, they're pretty good this year. But um, those Klondike Cougars, my goodness, they just keep rolling every single week. I guess this would be a good time to talk about the Klondike ice cream. Remember we talked about you that know, last year. Walmart and, and all those places, the Klondike <laughs> bar. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, oh, you're I, talking about real ice cream. Yes. Homemade ice cream. Oh, my goodness. You're making me hungry already. This has been a thing for se- many years, I guess. I know that I've been going there for about four or five years, and I've had their homemade ice cream every single time they have a home game. The junior parents make all different flavors of homemade ice cream and they sell it beside the concession stand. But, and, and that is awesome in and of itself, because I mean, they don't just give you a tiny little cup. They give you one of those big honking cups. And then they have an array of different toppings. They have sprinkles and gummy bears. Of course, those are the two that are my favorites. So those are the two that I looked at, but there were at least, I don't know, eight different type kinds So if your team is playing Klondike, make sure you get down to the concession stand before halftime, because if you don't make it there before halftime, you're not going to get any. They sell out. Wow. That sounds so good. (laughs) I mean, yes. You know what? Maybe the ice cream is making those cougars, you know. Well, hey, the faster you get done, the faster you can get over there. And hopefully there's some ice cream left, right? Hey, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, speaking of teams that people kind of – Keep under the radar, and this surprised me a little bit. I got a stat for you. So, Anton defeats Whiteface, eighty-three to thirty-seven. I don't know that that's the surprise. Here's what surprised me, though: in their last twenty-six games, Anton is twenty-three and three. Talk about a quiet twenty-three and three team. Yes, they're another quiet team that not nobody is talking about, and they should be. Coach Hoover has done an outstanding job since he's gone over to Anton, and. Um, those kids respond really well to him. And like I told you at the beginning of the season, when I went and watched them play Southland, they have extremely good team chemistry. They play very well together. So the Bulldogs, they're uh, victorious 83 to 37, the eighth ranked groom Tigers. Uh, they defeated at the time an undefeated McLean Tigers team. So we knew a tiger would win in this ball game. They went at 84 to 50, uh, Next big game on the docket, Bobby, and we got to talk about this one a little bit. So the 10th-ranked Richland Springs Coyotes, which, A, is a little surprise. Usually they're in the top five. You're kind of used to that. So to see them at number 10 is a little little surprising to begin with. 
They played Fort Worth Covenant Classical, the Cavaliers. Uh-huh. They win this ball game, one hundred and nineteen to one hundred and twelve. That score just kept going up and up and up all night. Uh, I believe Lehman said that's number three on the all-time um, list, which is unbelievable in and of itself when you see a score 119 to 112. Wow. Josh Stanlan has a friend, and I can tell you exactly how he would describe that. It was a full contact sprint relay. <laughs> well, it definitely sounded like one, and it basically became the rushing of the cows versus the passing of the Cavaliers. Listen to these numbers. It just is amazing. So for Richland Springs, Jaden Bryant, 31 carries, not 123, not 223, 523 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns. He also went five of eight through the air for another 114 yards and a touchdown. And then Zane Caps on the ground tacked on another 130 yards and three scores. 523 yards rushing and 12 scores, Bobby. Wow. Did, my question is, did they even touch that kid? Did they? <laughs> It couldn't have. I mean, that that is incredible. It incredible. is. And, and as incredible as that is, I think Covenant Classicals numbers are even more incredible. So let's get to those. First of all, I don't know if he's their quarterback or if he's their spread back, but Lanham Briley for Covenant Classical. 29 of 54. So he acted like he was playing for Texas Tech. <laughs> 700. And 29 yards passing. My. 729 yards passing and 12 touchdowns. His favorite receiver? At some point in time, you just wondered, did Coach Burkhart say, all six of you, go get on Whit Jewett. Whit Jewett, <laughs> 17 receptions, 504 yards receiving and nine touchdowns. You know what? what? I take that back. It's not a full contact sprint relay. That was a tennis match. <laughs> I'm, I mean, you can, can you see the people on the stands just going back and forth? I, that's insane. It is insane. And, you know, poor Nate Bennett for Covenant Classical. <laughs> he had five receptions for 148 yards and two touchdowns. And everybody's like, did you do anything in that ball game? <laughs> uh, after, oh, after Briley's 12 touchdowns. Oh, my goodness. 729 yards. And oh, that is insane. It is absolutely insane. So Richland Springs wins that one, 119 to 112. As you said, third all time uh, behind Campbell and Fannindale. That was in 2017. I believe the final score in that one was 124 to 121. If I remember correctly, that's what uh, Lehman uh, tweeted out there. But uh, Richland Springs uh, victorious in that one. And I, I had to laugh because now. Uh, Bracken Christian, who defeated Rankin, and Fort Worth Covenant Classical, or I think ranked one and two now in Division Three, Taps Division Three. So they got huge lifts out of those ball games there. Uh, they it, did. Kudos <laughs> to them. Oh my goodness! So there's the top ten Division One, Division Two. Well, let's uh, take a look at some other games, news, notes, games that we got stats on coaches we were able to talk to. And we will start in Region thing, uh, Region 3, a team that is just outside the top 10, and that is the Abbott Panthers. Coach Crawford got his team playing well there. Robert Munoz, five carries, 58 yards, and three scores. Kyle Garrick, three 
carries, 37 yards and two touchdowns, and Kane Klaus, eight and a half tackles. Next up on the docket, hey, talk about barn burners. There were some barn burners this week, and uh, Grady and Meta had one of those. Meta wins, I think, if I remember right, correct me if I'm wrong here, Bobby, they scored in the final minute of the ballgame to win this one. Is that correct? It was actually in the final 11 seconds. I think oh. there were, I looked up on the clock. I was at that game. There was 11 seconds on the clock. They were tied up, and I really thought we were going into overtime, and Meta said, no, we're not going into overtime. I'm going to go ahead and score. And, and the guy doing the scoring was Jimmy Herman. Do I have that right? German. German. Just, okay. It's just, just German. Spell. Okay. So Jimmy German, six carries, 132 yards and two scores in this one, five of seven through the air, 114 yards and uh, three touchdowns. Uh, he also had four receptions for 92 yards. He did sell uh, popcorn at halftime and uh, ushered hot dogs out to everybody. They hadn't quite sold all, out of all of them. So between the third and fourth quarter, he hopped up in the stands and helped hawk those as well. Meta wins this one, 52 to 46. German wasn't the only player for the Broncos. Paul Franco, eight carries, 96 yards and a touchdown. He was also perfect through the air, four or four for 81 yards and a score. And Caleb Sanchez, uh, two carries for 77 yards and a touchdown. So Meta picks up the victory over Grady in that one, in a wild one, 52 to 46. You know, I was really impressed with uh, Grady as well. I mean, you know, that was a very tight game, and Grady actually held the lead the majority of the game. Uh, Coach Mata, a Balmeray product, uh, he does a really good job, and they're pretty young. They had a, a big kid, number 45 for Grady, Cooper Wallen. He's a senior. He's about 6'4". He did yeoman's work for defense. Um, I, I think that boy was bleeding on both of his elbows, his arms. I mean, he got in there and he dug around real hard. They've got some really good little uh, freshmen and sophomores on that team that are really quick. And I'll tell you one thing about Grady. You know, looks can be deceiving. When I looked out there and they are all the same height, except for 45, he stuck out like a cotton swab. Um, <laughs> I, that, that's the only way I can, you know, when you draw sticks or something, you know, there's always that long one. That's what he looked like. The rest of them were all about the same size, but let me tell you, those kids are fast and they are doing a good job over there. Another thing I need to bring up is it seems like, well, you think, you think I'm hungry or something. Cause I've, keep bringing up food but it was meta's homecoming i started saying i know where you're going with this one and we play meta this week and so you really made me hungry because i'm like i have to make a trip to the concession stand now you do if they have it i hope i don't i don't know if it was a special homecoming thing or they do this all the time but they actually sold homemade chocolate and coconut pies at the concession stand, like pieces, you could go get them. Of course, you know, I didn't have time. And by the time I get over there, they're sold out. So that's another thing. If they have them um, outside of just the homecoming game. Yeah, Craig, you, you might have to send someone down there to get you some chocolate or coconut pie. Uh, Meadow also has brisket wraps. And I know this is a favorite of Dency's brisket nachos. Oh, brisket nachos are good uh-huh that is tasty well sign me up all day every day uh definitely gonna have to hit up the meta uh, concession stand this week as they uh, take on the happy cowboys there in meta let's move on to region four in division one uh two teams one out of district 14 the other out of 15 paint rock and zephyr and the indians victorious in this one 35 to 14 
Jorge Garcia, 197 yards rushing and a score. Brandon Belk, 72 yards rushing, four tackles, a forced fumble, and a pick six. Sal Fuentes, two touchdowns passing, and Eric Jefferson, a rushing touchdown and receiving touchdown, and nine uh, tackles in this ballgame as the Indians take out the Bulldogs 35-14. to Next, we're going to move to Spur and O'Donnell. Bulldogs and Screaming. I just want to say Screaming Eagles every week. I, I just like that, you know. I like that they're just not the plain old Eagles. They are the Screaming Eagles. Well, they are. And you know what? Before we get to that game, that is a great segue here because one of the things I did is took all the teams and I put them in a spreadsheet. Yes, I like to do spreadsheets. And said, what are the team names that we see the most? Well, you know what? You mentioned Eagles, and I did not put the screaming Eagles in there. <laughs> Eagles is the number one mascot for six-man teams. Fifteen teams count them in six-man are Eagles. Thirteen of them are Bulldogs, and then nine of them are Hornets, Longhorns, and Panthers. There's oh, wow. You never thought you would ever need, and you may never need it, but there you go. Okay. Top mascot in six-man football. You're not the only nerd. Because I have actually done that before. <laughs> Looked up at the mascots and, and who had the, the most of what. I, I've, it's been a couple of years since I looked at it. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's always interesting stuff to me. It is fascinating. And I don't know, as I was typing all the teams in our database here, I was like, boy, I see a lot of this one. And I see a lot of that one. And I was surprised I didn't see this name and that name. And so that kind of what took me down that rabbit trail there. But we'll get back to football the Spur Bulldogs victorious over Old Donald, 62 to 28. And I'm going to get it right this week. LeJean Walker. Good job. Woo-hoo. 14 carries, 145 yards, and four touchdowns, 42 yards receiving in a score, and 11 and a half tackles. And uh, Gunnar Bateman, their quarterback there, six of 11, 168 yards, and three scores through the air. 11 and a half tackles there for Bateman as well. And Nick Ortiz, four, car- four receptions, 101 yards receiving. And two scores. And for the Screaming Eagles, Juan Renteria. Boy, he put in yeoman's work for the Screaming Eagles. 33 carries, 221 yards, and two touchdowns. Cameron Grant, 169 yards passing through the air and two scores. Next up, uh, matchup in Division Two. Uh, both teams in Region 1. The Miami Warriors and the Silverton Owls. And Warriors come out victorious in this one, 81-31. to 31. We got to talk about the night from Hayden Thompson. The spread back there, the sophomore, just a sophomore for the Warriors. 13 carries, 183 yards, and four scores. Then 24-34 through the air uh, for 327 yards and five touchdowns. He also had 12 tackles on the night. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he escorted somebody to and from the game. I don't know, but a great game there from Hayden Thompson for the Warriors. He Next may have up, driven the bus. Yeah, he, he may definitely have done that one. No, is he old enough as a sophomore? Yeah, probably. I can't uh, even drive as a sophomore. You know, that's kind of in that uh, mid-range there. So who knows? All right, next up, uh, two uh, Division Two teams as well: the three-way Braves and the Sydney Eagles, and a to- uh, tight one here. And three-way comes out victorious, forty-eight to forty-six. Colt Berry for the Braves, seven rushing touchdowns in that ball game. Another game that we talked about last week, we thought would be a good one, and one that would. I, I got to tell you, I came out of this one more confused than ever. So yes, Nazareth yes. and Valley do battle. Nazareth goes to Valley and is victorious in this one, 30-28. to 28. Brett Heitschmidt led the way for the Swifts there. He had nine tackles, including knocking down a potential scoring touchdown late late in the ball game on fourth down. So a nice job there by the junior Heitschmidt. But I, I, I really 
as well as Valley's been playing and as Jekyll and Hyde as Nazareth has been, I really thought Valley would pull away with this one. So to see Nazareth win really surprised me, but it's my understanding too, though, Valley's a little bit banged up right now. They are a little bit, but I think that what may have happened is that Nazareth decided to have a good game this week and they went into Valley and just took advantage of that. I mean, I mean, let's not take anything away from either of those teams. I can imagine that the stadium in, at Valley was a rocking that entire time, all four quarters. Definitely. And, you know, you talk about the uh, stadium there at Valley. That's one of the stadiums that it drives me crazy. And the Valley folks are going to be like, what are you talking about? Well, the football stadium runs east to west mm-hmm. and the scoreboard sits on the east side. So when the sun's going down and the game has already started, you basically can't see the scoreboard. No, we can't. Really hard on on a play-by-play guy. I'm always like, come on, son, go down, go down, go down. So uh, that's one of those uh, quirks that you run into in six-man. But Nazareth victorious in that one, 30-28. Team we've talked a lot about and sitting on the edge of the top ten, that is the Throckmorton Greyhounds. Uh, They're victorious over the Perrinwit Pirates, 78-41. to and then break up the Headley Owls, 5-0 and on the season now. They take out last, buddy, 72-40. to Guthrie next up on the schedule. The last time Headley had six victories in a season was 2010. So good to see Coach Alston and his Headley Owls there doing some good work. Uh, hopefully we'll get out to watch them sometime early this season. Even though, I don't know, I can't believe I just said early this season because here we are, we're going into week six. I started to say it's going to be district action before we know it, Bobby. It has gone by really quickly, but yeah, Headley takes on Guthrie this next week on a, in a Thursday game. I'll get out and watch that. Yeah, no, that should be a good ball game there. Uh, next up, when we talked about Lehman and tweeting, well, here was another one. So Oglesby takes out Eagle Christian Academy, the Eagles, a private school. They defeat them 92 to six at halftime. Mm-hmm. And this is what scared me. Lehman says, based on his records, that 86-point margin of victory at halftime was only the 13th largest margin of victory of all time. Yeah, just 13. Lucky yeah, number 13. I guess. I, that that just floored me, and, and nobody's going to know better than Lehman on that one. But uh, well, Didn't he say that it was Richland Springs back in 2017 that won 96 to nothing at, at a halftime against that someone? That is correct. Yes. That That's is correct. number one. That is number one. And and an 86-point victory then would be 13. So can you imagine who it is between there? It's just incredible there. Uh, next up, Eden and Morgan doing battle on the Bulldogs. Victorious in this one, 76-28 to 28, uh, for Coach Avalos and the Morgan Eagles there. Mark Garcia had a 30-yard touchdown pass to Kaysen Sims. And uh, Garcia also had a 47-yard scoop and score to start this ballgame out as Morgan took the early lead on Eden. Uh, but the Bulldogs just too much there. And I got to get this name in here because I just it just sounds cool. Adrian Vera Rico. That is a cool name. Like, like Rico Suave. I don't know. But, you know, uh, it might be. It, it might be. be. Uh, Adrian Vera Rico had a three-yard touchdown run on a lateral from Kaysen Sims as time ran out there in the first half uh, to get the ball uh, in, in the end zone for the Eagles. But they do fall in that one 76-28. to 28. Uh, Next up, hey, it can't be a Backroads podcast six-man show without us talking about the Hermley Cardinals. Coach that is Winter, correct. They defeat Wilson 69 to nothing. And you got to talk about 
Bubba Digby, five of yeah. seven, 115 yards through the air and four scores. Uh, Zane Knocklinger, Gavin Chavez, Mateo Clement, and Patrick Carr all had touchdowns in that ball game. They had four pick six as a team, and Knocklinger had two of those. Wow. Wilson, 69 and nothing. Coach Winter said they ran seven, not 70, seven offensive plays in the first half. And that was Harmley's homecoming, too. So good win for them. Yeah, no, it did, definitely was. So that's a kind of look at uh, around the state, some of the stats and scores we got, some of the big games, uh, things that make Lehman Saunders tweet. Maybe that's, that's <laughs> a corner we can have, things that make Lehman tweet. But You uh, know, we might need a, a segment of this podcast called Things That Make Lehman Tweet. Hey, I like that. We, we I do have, too. We might just have to do that one there. So let's look ahead to week six, some uh, big games and. You know, it was kind of interesting because when you look at week six and you look at some of the spreads that sixmanfootball.com puts out there, I have a feeling that this is a week that a lot of the really good teams decide, hey, we don't want to get injured before district, so we're going to play a lesser team. The number of 45-point spreads (laughs) that are out there just amaze me, but there's still some good games going on. You talked about Jonesboro and Valley. We talked with uh, Coach Gallegos about that one. That should be a good ball game there. That one, 5 o'clock in Trent on Thursday. Here's a good game for you, Anton and Paducah. Oh, that's going to be a good one. That should be really good. And then uh, matchup of top 10 teams, Westbrook and Garden City. Can the Bearcats hang with the Wildcats? Well, that's going to be a tough one there for Coach Jones. It'll be a test for those uh, Bearcats, definitely. Uh, also on the uh, schedule here, Roby and Jayton. Now, Roby uh, lost this past week. They were ranked top 10. The Jaybirds, of course, a top 10 team. So that should be a good matchup. And then the final game I want to talk about, Bobby, we talk so much about, you know, hey, this is a 4-0 team or a 5-0 team versus a 4-1 team. They're both ranked top 10. Let's talk about the other side of that. There's a fantastic matchup going on. Derazette and Harold play each other. And, you know, End of the day, a team is going to walk out of there with a victory, one that they don't get very often in either one of those schools. And I just I thought, you know what, that is what it's about, because a team is going to go home feeling unbelievably happy for the first time in a long time. And I just love to see that. Definitely. And that one happens on Thursday as well. Yes. You know, if I could split myself in two, there'd be several games that I'd be going to. But yeah, that that is going to be so exciting for one of those teams. You know, we got the Hornets versus the Longhorns. Weren't those number nine on your list? Uh, yes. Yes, they were. So Hornets versus the Longhorns and someone's going to come out victorious. Uh, I wish I had someone I could send to that game. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah, wink, wink. It's Thursday. How far is Darazette from you? <laughs> <laughs> it's a long way even from me. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Oh, you know, man. I had you know, I am of the opinion if you don't ask, the answer is always no. This is correct. It never hurts to ask. Ever. That's right. Ever, never. So that's a look at some of the big games going on in week six, and that's going to wrap up this week's podcast, week five of the Backroads Podcast. Uh, I'm Craig Spear with PressPassports.com and the Happy Sports Network. And I'm Bobby Brown with Texas 1A Fan. Just remember, go forward and do good. Tune in next week. We'll wrap up week six, and then we will start getting into all of week seven, which will have a whole lot of district action going on in six-man land out there from Follett to Nueces Canyon. 
from El Paso out to the piney woods of East Texas. See you next week.